glad that you're here. We have been talking about, last week we started talking about hearing the voice of God in our life and how you know whether or not you hear God's voice. It is the number one question I get as a pastor. Pastor, how do I know God's will? How do I know whether this is God's will for my life or not? Am I supposed to marry him? Which, by the way, if he's not in church or doesn't have a job, the answer is no. Am I supposed to marry her? It's pr- probably yes. If she'll look at your ugly tail, you probably should go ahead and put a ring on that. So, like that, that those, that's a quick prophecy to the, you know, like into your life. How do I know whether this is, you know, how do I know this is the right, the right voice? Am I listening to the right voice? I feel like it is, but I also ate enchiladas really late last night. Maybe it was that. God gave me a dream, but, but I don't know. Was it the pizza or was it God? I don't know whether, whether uh, you know, this is the right you know, job for me to take. Is this, the right, is this the right church? Which if you're wondering if this is the right church for you, the answer is yes. You can leave now. It's all, it's, it's, it's honest, it's the biggest question I got. What, like, is this God's will in my life? How do I know the voice of God in my life? And so I want to help you over the next several weeks sort of decipher the will of God in your life and, and really cut through the noise of everything else in your life. We said last week, one of the things that's so vitally important is that you realize there's a ton of like noise and distraction coming at you. And sometimes God's trying to speak to you. You just can't hear it from all the other noise kind of, you know, c- coming at you so loudly. We talked about preparing our hearts so that we could hear God's voice, that God doesn't have a speaking problem. Most of the times it's that I have a hearing problem. Amen, everybody? That God's always speaking. It's, it's really tr- trying to tune into that or prepare my heart so that. Here's the big idea we said last week. So, because God's voice is clearest in a prepared environment. Like when my heart's ready, I can hear from God better. And so, and so I, I want to I give you some tools today, a lot more practical than we talked about last week. I want to give you some tools to know whether or not this is God's voice or not. Because there's a lot of voices that can come into your life. And I want to give you some tools to decipher God's voice through the middle of all of that noise. To kind of hone into that frequency and say, I know that I know that was God and that was the enchiladas. That was God and that's just you know, somebody trying to give me bad advice. Or that, you know, that was God's voice in my life. I want you to be able to decipher all of that other stuff, cut all that other stuff away. And we'll wrap it around an analogy that Jesus tells in the book of John. John, the 10th chapter. Take good notes. You know, I believe everybody that takes notes goes straight to heaven and everybody else goes to anyway. John 10 and 3. The Bible says this. The gatekeeper, Jesus is telling a story. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, for the shepherd, and the sheep... Listen to his voice. They listen to his voice. In this story, the shepherd is Jesus, you know that, and the sheep are you and I, and they listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls them by name and leads them out. The enemy will tell you, God doesn't know where you are. God doesn't know this situation that nobody's ever faced this before. You listen to me. God knows your name right where you are, and he can call you out. Shout amen to that, everybody. God knows right where you are. And he calls them by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out, all his own, then he goes out ahead of them and his sheep follow him. How? Like that's what I want for you. I want you to be able to go, hey, I hear a bunch of noise. I hear a bunch of, you know, I'm in this herd. There's a lot of other people. I'm working. I'm, you know, 50 hours a week, two appointments on Sunday morning. I'm, it's crazy. i got three kids. Two of them are bad. One of them may be dumb. Something's wrong. Like, like, like I'm married to somebody that's not always the biggest help. How do I decipher in all this noise of my life? How do I decipher the will of God? How do I, how do I know this is Him? They follow Him because they know His voice. 
They never follow a stranger. We have two little kids, a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and we kind of give them the stranger danger talk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where, like if, like if you walk up to them and they don't know you, you're not a member of our team, or actually a close member of our dream team because our team's so large, they may not know you. We told, I told my little dude, start kicking in the shins and screaming. Just start screaming crazy. So if you get kicked today, it's, it's anyway, it's my fault. So I, I want, like I really, this, this is what I want you to do to, to the enemy in your life. That I don't want you to follow a strange voice or somebody to lead you the other way. I want you to scream and kick about that because, because you know that's not the shepherd's voice. In fact, I want you to run away from him because I don't recognize that voice. Because, that, because the filter that I have to hear the voice of God, when shepherds would come out of the gate, there would be multiple shepherds and multiple sheep herds. The Bible said that there were... The sheep could find their shepherd and go the direction their particular shepherd was was leading them. Not some strange voice. Not because he used a cane and kind of directed them. There's some times in my life I wish God would use a cane and just hit me upside the head to tell me what to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like just hit me right in the face, God, and tell me what. God said, that's not how I shepherd. That's just not how God's going to do it. And there's, there's some of us who sit on pause for a lot of decisions in our life because we're waiting for a cane upside the head, and, it's, and it never comes. And lightning bolts and thunder and goosebumps. God says, no, it, it sounds more like voice. And I want you to be able to cut through. And when the, when the sheep hear the, the, the voice of the shepherd they know, then they follow him. He just directs them with a sound and a you know, certain grunt. And everybody kind of knows this in this story that Jesus is telling. Everybody's aware of this reality that there's this enemy who's always whispering. You know the old cartoon where there's, there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. Anybody know what I'm talking? And I'm not talking about your spouse sitting beside you. I'm talking, I'm talking about on your shoulder, there's in your ear telling you, you know, don't, don't do this. This is not, you know, you're too stupid. You're, you're, not, you're not qualified. God would never use you. God can't call you. It's over with. It, you know, you're past your prime. It's never going to work out. God's never going to give you love like that again. You're never going to find that again. Then, and then you hear this voice there's, you know, that's calling you to more. That you know that you know that God's calling you, but you have this other stranger, this enemy sort of whispering in your ear. And I feel that sometimes on this stage, honestly. Where the enemy tells me, you're not qualified. What are you doing telling them? When I know your life and I know what's going on, and I know the struggles you've had, and and how could you? Who are you to be talking to these people? And who and you know, tell him, and then and then I got to remind myself what I'm reminding you. No, no, no. I'm going to see myself how God sees me, not how I see me. I'm gonna, I'm going to listen to my identity isn't earned by me. It's not by who I am. I've received my identity from God. I, God saved me. He bought me. I'm His. I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I want to be, and I'm on my way. And God is speaking to me. Shout amen to that, everybody. I want you to walk away here believing that. You don't have to have it all together for God to talk to you. As a matter of fact, most times you're not all together. God's... God's directing and I want to give you some tools to sort of hear the shepherd's voice, not a stranger's voice, not something that I want you to be able to run away from that. I literally want you to be able to close the door on all the other voices in your life that are leading you in the wrong direction so that you can tune into the frequency that, that God is speaking to you. And so in this series, we sort of talked about that. Last week, we talked about how important it was to prepare our hearts to hear from God. Now, I want to give you, the, I want to give you the, some very practical tools on how you know it's actually the voice of God and not just the enchiladas you ate last night. And the truth is, sometimes you're going to mess this up. Let me go ahead and give you a caveat. That there are going to be times in your life when you miss it. And you make a mistake. And you thought that 
God said this, and it wasn't that Peter in the Bible, this is, this is, the, this is the story of his life, kind of a loud mouth. I think Peter's from the south. He always talks first. He's always the loudest in the room. You know what I'm saying? I think he probably went to an SEC school and didn't get to play football. I think he's just loud like that. Peter kind of comes out and Jesus is talking. We're at the end of the, you know, at the end of his ministry, the end of his life, and Peter kind of just boldly declares, Jesus asks, Who do men say that I am? Who, who, who do you say that I am? Jesus says, Thou art the Christ, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, you didn't know that on your own. He said, Flesh and blood didn't show you that, but God revealed that to you. The God of heaven revealed that to you. In other words, you got divine revelation from God. You knew the voice of God. He told you who I was, and you were able to walk in that. Now listen, there's some times in my life when I know that I know I got divine revelation from God. But a few verses later, literally same chapter, few verses later, Jesus is going to the cross, and Peter kind of steps up and says, you can't. You can't do this. You can't ever die. You, you cannot die. And Jesus looks at him and says this phrase, Get behind me, Satan. A few verses earlier, you're hearing from God. A few verses later, you're Satan. Anybody ever know what that feels like? Anybody ever done that today on the way to church? Come on, somebody. Like, that's the story of my life. I know there are times that I miss it. That I heard from God, but but then I miss it on that one. I don't want you to get I don't want you to get bogged down. I, I don't want you to I, I want to talk to you strongly today that you still can hear from God. And there's a lot of people who've been sort of duped into believing God doesn't talk to you because of 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 false spirituality. There have been people who have misled you in the name of deep spirituality. And I'm gonna just for a moment. I mean, I, this is not the whole message, but I I, I want to help you on some of that. There's some of you who don't believe God speaks because you've seen it misused and abused, either in the church you grew up in or a church that you attended, or just flipping in you know Christian television late at night and somebody tells you to send thirty three dollars for miracle water. You know what I'm trying to say? Which don't do that. Just give here and I'll splash you with some Ozarka. Same thing. <laughs> I prayed over that Ozarka. I'll throw that right on top of you. And, you, and, you, and you've kind of approached the idea of hearing from God or being spirit-led or hearing the voice of God through this idea. It sounds spiritual, but they're not. They're people who've come into your life who've said, man, I got a word from God for you, and this is what God told me. And it sounds spiritual, but it's not. Maybe, they, you know, maybe they're sincere, but maybe they're just manipulative and trying to get you to, to do what they want you to do. And the easiest way to manipulate a situation is to use the phrase God said. Don't go home and use this in your marriage. God said you're going to cook me something today, girl. I'm just telling you right now, I was praying in this chair, and God said you're grilling. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. That's the easiest way. When I counsel people and, and they say, Pastor, here's listen, I, I feel that, but here, God said. Well, that kind of ends the conversation because it's a manipulation tool that some people who want to sound spiritual use to get their way. None of y'all, but people in first service have done that. And they say, God said this. Well, when you say God said, it kind of ends the discussion. Who am I to argue with God, right? And so some of you have had bad experiences with someone who manipulated you all in the name of deep spirituality. Am I preaching to anybody? You know what I'm trying to say right there. They manipulated your life. And at times they're well-meaning, but at sometimes it's just gossip. In the church I grew up in, we used to call it prayer requests. Come on, somebody. Can I pray? Listen, I know you've been down. I saw you and John fighting in the car, Chris. And I just want to know, what can I pray for you about? 
And then, and then she tells you, well, you know, John's just, you know, I, I can't deal with him. I don't know what to do. We've been married 40, 30 some odd years, 22, 30, a lot. And it's just hard. And I don't, yeah, well, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sister, I'm praying for you. And, and you walk over on this side, and you go, Carly, you never believe this, what Chris has said about that boy. We thought he was crazy. That's what she said. But let's pray. Come here, girl. Let's pray. And you use this deep spirituality as a gossip tool and a drama tool. I, I, I see it so many times where people go, you know, that God's leading me. This they, And they leverage it to cause strife. I don't know if God's really leading me here. I don't know if God's, well, if God, how do you know if God's leading you? You hadn't prayed in, in a month. Come on, somebody. How do you know? I, God, I don't know if this is the right church for me. Well, how do you know? You come once a quarter. Come on, somebody. And that was hard. I didn't mean to hit that hard. I, what, how do you, like they just move you in the wrong direction and it sounds spiritual. I want to give you some tools to be able to distinguish the voice of a stranger from the voice of God. The voice of somebody who's just trying to manipulate you to do what they want you to do or, or lead you in a certain direction when you really know because you don't have to accept everything that sounds spiritual. Matter of fact, First John says it like this. Dear friends, do not believe every, everybody shout the word spirit. Because when somebody tells you this is what God said, there's a spirit behind it. Everything's spiritual in your life. So you don't have to believe every spirit. As a matter of fact, I want you to test the spirits and see whether they are from God. So I'm going to give you a multiple choice test today. I'm going to give you a test to go through, four, four ideas, that you can test this and go, is this the will of God for my life? I feel it feels like I'm prompting. I hear this, but I don't know if this is right. I, a pastor said to a man one time, I feel like God spoke to me. This, uh, and uh, the, the man told the pastor, I feel like God spoke to me about my marriage. And the pastor says, well, I mean, what did, he, what did he say? Man, I've been praying for you all. I know you've been struggling. He was like, I think, I think God told me to leave my wife. And, and he's like, man, that's, wow. God, like God told you? And he goes, yeah, and God told me to be with my mistress. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that, that ain't God. That, nope, that ain't the will of God in your life. Listen to me. You got two angry women. You, you want to talk about hell. You talk about messing up with women. Come on, somebody. That's never God's will. That's a way to death right there. You start messing around with that. So how do I know if it's God's voice? Take good notes today. I want you to write these four filters down that filter out the will of God in your life, the voice of God in your life. So you're not, just, you're not moving around with strangers, but you really get the voice of God. Here's the first one, and it's the most important. Does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with God's Word? Can I find it in God's Word, and does it agree with God's Word? Because God's voice will never contradict God's Word. Period. God's voice will never contradict God's word. You can't say, well, I don't think God is leading me to serve, give, pray. Well, if I can find it in the Bible, it's not God's voice. Because God's voice never contradicts with God's word. When somebody tells you, here's what, you know, or when you get this voice in your mind and you go, man, am I supposed to do this? Here's the first filter. Does it line up with God's word? Uh, most, the most easy way to hear the voice of God is to open this book, everybody. He left behind a manifesto that you can go, okay, God, when I, there's a decision I need to make. Can I find something in this word that would give me clarity about it? Does it line up with God's word? Now, I'm going to give you, I'm not picking on this issue, so don't, I don't want you to get lost in this issue. But I'm going to give you an illustration from the Bible where Jesus gives you this tool to answer. Matthew 19, some Pharisees come to him to test him. And they ask Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, the point of the, that I'm making is not about divorce. Don't get lost in the, in the point. This is the point I want you to gather. Jesus says, 
haven't you read that at the beginning God created male and female? In other words, Jesus now quotes Genesis 2. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's God come to us, the Son of the living God. He knows the answer to the question, but He doesn't give direction. He instead asks, I don't know, have you read your Bible about that? What does God's Word say about that? Let's go back to God's Word. I'm going to refer to the Bible. The Bible's the final authority. God's Word made it plain. I'm going to point to God. I'm going to let God decide what's right and wrong. I'm going to let God's Word decide what's right and wrong. Everybody shout amen to that. Now, while I'm here, let me just take a, take a detour really quick and tell you, I'm, I'm not picking on divorced people. I don't think God, you may have been raised in a church that you heard God hates divorced people. You listen to me. God does not hate divorced people. God hates anything that hurts you. And divorce is painful, so I could see how God hates what happens to you because of how it hurts you. It may not have been part of His plan, but you listen to me. God loves you, can redeem you, can restore you, can use you. You still got life after this. Everybody shout amen to that. It ain't over just because it looks over, everybody. God, God sort of, Jesus says here, I, listen, I, let's go to the Bible. Let's see what the Bible says because it's not going to contradict. I'm not going to tell you something. It contradicts the Bible. Luke 21 says, although all of heaven and earth will pass away, you can count on God's word to remain forever. Like I'm just going to go. So, some people take the Bible out of context. You know, they just give you this one thing. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, anybody ever seen a meme on Facebook and you're like that one scripture that says this and then you go read the whole chapter and you're like, they were killing all the Amalekites' kids. What are you talking about right there? Like that had nothing to do with what you said it was. And there's so many people that kind of pull it out of context and you know, make the Bible say what they want it to say. Well, here's what it said I could do. Here's where, you know, here's what it said. This is how I'm supposed to. They, you know, they don't read the whole counsel of God, the context, and find out what everything the Bible has to say about that subject. I hate this about the news. I'm, I'm kind of a news junkie. I really do love news, and I was sort of raised in that kind of environment. I love it. I like it more than I like sports. I like to... You know, watch the news. But one of the things I hate, especially in today's climate, is when they take, like, you know, one sentence or phrase out of context and kind of plaster it all over the front page. You know what I'm talking about. There's some people in your life that, you know, you've, they've plastered this one scripture, you know, kind of all over your life, and they took it out of context. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit in with the whole counsel of God in your life. It's, it doesn't agree with the Word of God. I, I read a story about a pastor who said one time in the pulpit, he said, I, I can prove to you in the Bible that women won't go to heaven. This woman catches him after service. He's like, Pastor, what in the world? Why would you say that women can't go to heaven? He says, well, I mean, it's, it's in the Bible. The Bible says when, you, when we get to heaven, there will be 30 minutes of total silence. Terrible. Not me. Some other pastor. Awful. So she, she looks back at him. She says, I guess preachers aren't going either. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Doesn't line up to the word of God. Does the Bible agree? Here's the second thing. I didn't say any of that. Somebody else said it. Don't blame me. Number two, the filter you can use to know whether this is the voice of God or voice of something else. Will it make me more like Christ? Write that down. Will it make me more like Christ? Because your goal, the plan of God in your life after He saves you from hell, listen to me, is for you to become more like Christ. The rest of your life, however long that is, you get saved at 10 years old, for the next 80 years of your life, it's, it's, it's a, this journey towards becoming more like Christ. You get saved at 80 years old, it's about you know, 5, 10 more, however long it is. Whatever I got left, 
the journey is about becoming like Christ. And so if this decision, if this voice, if this choice, if what I hear doesn't make me more like Christ, it's not the will of God in my life. It's not the voice of God in my life. Philippians says it like this, in your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. That's the plan of God for you. The more I know God, the more I want to be like Him. The, the, the more I'm moved by what moves Him, and I'm consumed by what consumes Him. And honestly, you're in a church that built our whole church. The, like our whole ministry is built around this idea of you becoming more like Christ. You journeying more towards Christ. Maybe you grew up in a church that you felt like you had to get it all fixed today. And you had to, you know, everything had to go right today. And you got this one shot and done. If you don't get it right tonight, you may go to hell. And, you, you know, this church is kind of built around the idea of I want you to go on a journey. I think spirituality is a journey in the right direction. Matter of fact, I think God is more interested in your direction than he is your perfection. Amen, everybody. I want you to start going the right way. We built our whole church around these four things. I, the first thing I want you to do is know God. Like, I don't want you to know about God. I don't want a church full of theologians that know about the Bible or about theology. I want you to know God. I want you to know Him intimately and vibrantly and in a life-giving way. I want you to have a relationship that's deep and real and powerful and spirit-empowered. I want you to know God. If you don't do anything else in this church, I don't don't want you to have a relationship with religion. I want you to have a relationship with the life-giver. Come on, somebody. I want you to have a real relationship with God. If you never make this church home, and I think you should, but if you don't, the only thing this church serves is a a catalyst for you to know God. That's enough. I want you to know God intimately. But it's not enough to stop at knowing God. There's a a journey that you want. I really think it's God's plan in your life that you just keep moving to become more like Christ. So once once you know God, once you, you know, the illustration is once you come out of Egypt as a slave... Now I want you to get Egypt out of your heart. We call it find freedom. I want you to settle your yesterdays. Everybody's got a past. Everybody's got struggles and hurts and hang-ups and habits and stuff from their past that kind of keeps them bound. I may be delivered, but I still feel like a slave. I'm walking like a slave. And, and I want you on, the, on, your, on your journey, kind of more like Christ, I want you to find freedom. The best way I know you can do that is inside of a small group. The Bible says it this way. James 5 says that if you'll confess your faults or your sins one to another and pray for one another, that you would be healed. That healing actually happens. Healing from your past happens when you're with somebody else. There's freedom there. And then really, honest, I think the best part about Christianity begins here, and I think it's the part that least most people do not do this part. I think most people stop somewhere in between this journey of the, I know God and I'm settling my past. And they kind of live the rest of their Christianity stopped there. It's the reason why churches are filled with dead, lifeless, purposeless. They're just kind of looking around. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't name a church, but you know what I'm saying. Everybody's kind of got this blank. They check the box off. I came to church. I came to second service. I did my thing. I'm going home. I said hi to everybody. All the right people saw me. I'm out of here. I'm done with this. And you'll honestly, you'll you'll be in church and 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 saved but never have fulfillment in your life. And so I, I, we, we, the difference in this church and maybe another one that you've ever been to is I want you to keep moving after you settle your yesterdays and after you know God. I want you to discover the purpose God has for your life. I think the two greatest days of your life is the day you're born and the day you figure out why you were born. Like the day you decide why God put you on this planet. 
And when, you, when you're awakened to that, when God awakens that thing in you, you go, oh my gosh, God designed me with this gift. God gave me this. God, Then, then honest, I think the best part of Christianity is not heaven and hell. I think the best part of Christianity is living the life you have to make a difference. That God saves you so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. I met so many people today in this service and second service. Tons of new families and faces of people that are going, hey, this is my coworker, and this is my neighbor, and this is my friend. And You know what that is? That's people going, hey, I'm not going to waste my time here. I'm going to make a difference. I, I got a friend who needs something in their life. Maybe this word's for you. Listen, God's got a plan to fulfill His purpose through you, everybody. He will not do it through an institution or religion. Jesus didn't come to found a new religion. He came to give people to find purpose so you can make a difference in the world. And I want you to keep journeying towards making a difference. As a matter of fact, you can get the best way I know to do this is, is on a team with a group of people. You make a difference together, everybody. You do the thing that God created you to do and leverage everything that you have. I, 20, almost 20 years ago when Brandy and I got together and decided to go into full-time ministry, we knew God had called us this way. We looked at one another and said, it doesn't matter what happens. Money, kids, houses, cars, boats, retirement, cabins, none of that stuff matters. Which, by the way, if you have any of that, holler at your boy. It does, none of that matters. None of that matters to us. We're going to leverage whatever God gives us, listen, and whatever God has gifted us with for the rest of our lives to make a difference. I'm going to get on teams. I'm going to serve in my passion. And there's places that you can do that right now. Matter of fact, there's people doing that all over this campus right now. When you walked in today, there were people who gave you a high five. Now, stand up, Carly. It's y'all's fault for sitting on the front row. It doesn't seem like much to have a big high five and a big smile. Carly's the best smile we got in the building. Doesn't seem like a whole, yeah, that's all right, everybody. Doesn't seem like a whole much to do that. But listen, let me tell you how that makes a difference. Let me tell you why we value greeters at the front door who high five and hug people. Because when you walk in that front door, you walk out of hell. There are people in this room, it was fight to get here. And it was hell all week long and 60, 70 hours in the office and pressure and money and do we have enough and the kids are going crazy and what's happening and bankruptcy and my marriage is struggling and I'm depressed and I'm not sleeping in a bad doctor's report. And when you walk on a movie theater campus, I want you to forget all of that hell. I want you to find that this is as close to heaven as we can get. And if a high five does that, it made a difference in your life. Shout amen to that, everybody. Like, I really want you to leverage what you had to make a difference. Some of you are called to make a difference in the lives of kids. Right now, there, there are people in kids' environments, four kids' environments all over this movie theater. Our security team does a fantastic job at making sure they're safe and secure while they're there. And it's not perfect, and it's not ideal. And one day, God's going to give us multiple buildings and campuses to do ministry from. But listen, but right now, we're not going to stop until we get all of that. I'm going to train world changers right here in a movie theater, everybody. Your kids, and some of you, God's called you to raise world-changing kids. We need you on the team. We need you to make a difference. Listen, somebody had to teach Billy Graham Sunday school lesson. Come on. Somebody had to be there and say, I see something in you. I'm calling something out of you. While I'm preaching to you. Right now, there's teachers over there telling my three-and-a-half-year-old little boy, you can do it. God's called you. you got power. You listen to me. When everything else in this world fails, he's going to remember that a Sunday school teacher, kids ministry worker, looked at him and said, God's got divine purpose in you. Don't ever give up in that. You can make a difference for eternity's sake. Shout amen to that, everybody.
if you believe. If you don't get on a team after that, something's wrong with your feeler. My goal for you is to be more like Christ. And it may not be overnight. I think there's a journey. It's the reason why we built our whole church in this journey. It's, it's, not so, it's not so that you, you know, you just get it all together. When you go to filter the voice of God in your life, decide. But before I meet this person, will it make me more like Christ? Before I send this email, will it make me more like Christ? Before I send this text, will that person look at me and think, man, that's a godly person or not? Somebody told me one time, they brought me an email they had sent. And they said, can you believe this? They got so upset about this, Pastor. They printed off the email and they said, God told me to send this email. So, so they use the God thing that, you know, that, that sounds spiritual. And I read the email. I looked him right in the eyes. I said, God didn't tell you to do that. They huffy and puffy. What do you, what do you tell you? How do you, how do you know? I, I tell you why. Because I know the story of the person you sent this to. And I know that you've destroyed their faith now. And you've torn apart their belief and their faith and their loyalty to, you know, to you. And it causes dissension and confusion and rebellion. And God will not call you to do something that doesn't make you or them more like Christ. Quit blaming God's voice for that. That's good preaching, everybody. I'm going to listen to this podcast myself. <laughs> God, it doesn't make me more like Christ. Doesn't doesn't take me on this journey. You say, well, how do I do that, man? I, I think it. Well, just because you think it don't mean you got to say it, everybody. Just because it came into your mind doesn't mean it's the voice of God. Second Corinthians says we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. That my old pa- my old pastor used to say you can't help birds that fly over your head, but you can help it from forming a nest in your hair. You know what I'm saying, everybody. Like you can't help it that it flies over. You can't help it I had this thought, but I don't have to let it take root in my mind. I don't have to let it come out of my mouth. I take it all obedient. Well, what would I do? How do I know what's a good filter? I was studying for this message. I feel like God led me to this passage to give you a filter. Like if you want to know, should I send the email? Is this God's will? Is this the voice of God? Am I hearing from God or am I not? Is this making me more like Christ? Here's what James says. James 3 says, the wisdom that comes from heaven, here it is. This is the filter to know if it's making you more like Christ. Is it pure? First of all, is it pure? Then, is it peace-loving? Then, is it considerate? Then, this is a hard one, is it submissive? Is it full of mercy? Is it good fruit? Is it impartial? That's something to think about when you post political stuff on Facebook. Is it sincere? And here's the reason why. Because if you'll learn how to be a peacemaker, peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. And there's sometimes you look around and in and, and, and the wake of everything, if it's always destruction, you may be the tornado. You understand what I'm telling you? In Arkansas, we say it this way. If it's always a circus, you may be the clown. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, like it, it, you just, you got to look around and go, hey, did this make me more like Christ? Did I filter this, what I said, how I acted, what it came through in my mind? Did I hear the voice of God? Did it make me more like Christ? Is that okay? Is that helping anybody out there? Shout amen to that, everybody. There's a filter for you. If I were you, I'd call so-and-so today and I'd tell them, I'm sorry about that thing I did. Sorry about that thing I sent you on there. Does it make me more like Christ? Here's the third thing i got to hurry because it's 12 o'clock and I'm hungry. Does, that's the truth, does godly counsel agree? This is a hard one. Does godly counsel agree? Every word here is important, but I want you to circle the word agree in your notes. Because sometimes godly counsel seems contradictory to what you want to do. And you now have a choice. 
do I accept the godly counsel that I trust that that person's godly, that I've gone to them, they've prayed, they've heard from God, and they, they told me, I don't feel this. Do what you want, but this is my, I don't feel that. I don't agree with that. Or are you going to plow through and do it any way you want to do it? When, you, when we take a big step here at City Hills, listen to me, I, I live by this. I did this between services, men on my team that help me and oversee and give me direction and clarity. There's a, situ, a decision we're, we're in the middle of right now, and I went to them and multiple times. I have never made a decision here. I don't call overseers and our pastors. We talk about teams so much around here, and we live this out, not because I can't hear from God for myself, but because I want to make sure godly counsel agrees with what I think I'm hearing from God and there's times in your life when there, you're going to be faced with a decision that I think God told me and there's going to be somebody in your life that's godly that says I don't know if that's right and you now have a decision to make am I going to plow through what am I going to do because the way of fools Proverbs 12 says the way of fools seems right to them but if you're wise, you listen to advice. Not just advice, but there's times when you get correction. And Proverbs says, listen to advice, Proverbs 19, and accept, here's the hard word, discipline. When godly counsel disagrees with you. And in the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Because the plans in your heart are not really what I'm most concerned about. There's many of those. It's the Lord's purpose that I want to prevail in your life. And, and, and a filter for knowing the will of God and, the, and God's purpose in your life is godly counsel. Do they agree? Even if it's not what I want to hear. Do I just keep going? You ever ask multiple people for an opinion until you get the answer you want? You know what I'm saying? Like when they come, my kids come to me and go, Daddy, can we, can we go outside and play? I said, no, you can't go outside and play. And five minutes later, I catch them, Mama. Daddy said it was up to you, whatever, whatever you say. And some people, you, you don't get the answer you want. You know, somebody says, I don't know about this relationship. I'd be careful. I'd be concerned. I, I don't like that. Let me go see what you think. What do you think about him? I, 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 don't, I don't like that. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go somebody else. I, I read a story about a guy. I read a story about a guy going, asking God about donuts. God, I want some donuts. I, I don't know. Here's God. Here's my, here's my request. God, if it's your will for me to get donuts when I drive by, would you let the Krispy Kreme hot and fresh light be on and red? That's how I'll know it's the will of God. Well, he drove, drove by, it wasn't on. So after he circled the block three times, he came back around to the hot and light. He thank you, Jesus, for the will of God in my life. Sometimes you'll drive around the block three or four times till you get the light on. You know what I'm saying? You just keep, you just keep looking for somebody to agree with you when godly counsel disagrees. Be careful when you don't get agreement. Be careful that it may not be the voice of God. It may be the voice of a stranger in your life that you don't need. Surely, Proverbs 24 says, Surely you need guidance to wage war. And victory is won through many advisors. Like, is this the will of God for me or not? I have, I have people in this church, not only that advise me, I have people that pray for me. I have a personal intercessor. I've, while I'm preaching right now, she's praying. I have never preached. She doesn't pray for me. She, she prays the entire time I'm preaching to you. I'll, I'll, I, sometimes I won't, and I'll, I don't ever tell her. I'll just say, I need pray about, yes, sir. I get, she'll send me an email. This is what God told me. God says yes. You don't even know what I'm praying for. God says yes. I'm just asking. I'm looking for agreement. I'm looking for godly counsel. Shout amen to that, everybody. Here's the last thing, and then we'll, and then we'll end today. Come on, Henry, come play. The last thing I'll give you is this. And this is honestly a big one. And it's, it's do I have peace about this situation? The way to know the voice of the shepherd, the voice of God in your life, versus the voice of dissension or manipulation or gossip or a stranger, is do I have peace in this? 
Do I have peace? Listen, one of the things that makes Christianity different than any other world religion is this. In every other world religion, you go to a temple, a statue, a thing, and you pray to that God, and that God is distant and off and aloof and over there somewhere, and you just hope He hears. Listen, the, the major difference in Christianity is we believe that the God of creation comes to live inside of you. That He's put His Spirit inside of you, and now you can have the peace of God living in you to make a decision, to know the will of God. This is powerful. If you've ever felt this before, you know what I'm talking about. Where you you got a big decision to make and it, everything looks hard and d- difficult. I don't know what to do. And this, I don't even know if this is right. And but you go to bed with peace. Honestly, it's what I felt planting this church. Brandy and I. We were in Austin, Texas, five and a half years. And great church, big church, salary, nice house. We just had two kids after 10 years of infertility. God had given us two miracle babies. I felt like God had called me to plant a church. And sometimes God would speak to me and not my wife. Anybody know what I'm telling you about right now? She's like, baby, you, be, you eat bad at night. That's probably enchiladas for months. And we, we'd make a list. I'm a list maker, a pro-con maker. Anybody do that? You make all the lists? And I'm going to be honest with you. There was a lot on the list that said, this is stupid. This is crazy. This ain't going to work. And I'd make a list and I'd look at all the reasons why it was hard. Then I'd go to bed at night and sleep like a baby. Now here we are, fast forward two and a half years. This church is only 18 months old. I moved here a little over two years ago. Look around, everybody. You are the peace of God for the will of God in my life. Like, I, I, there's just peace about it. Even when I, and then there's other times when I wanted to do something so bad. I wanted it so bad. And I didn't have peace about it. I'm not anxious. I, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm scared. I, don't, I can't sleep. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, listen, He'll give you peace. First Corinthians says, God is not the author of confusion in your life. He's the, he's the author of peace in your life. If you don't have peace, it's probably not it. I'm I'm a risk-adverse person. You listen to me. I don't jump off cliffs. I don't jump out of airplanes. I don't ride motorcycles. Don't call your brother and ask me. I ain't trying to do none of that. I don't do crazy stuff. Find somebody else. And here I took this biggest risk of my life. Why? Peace. I, I just know. If you're struggling with the, with the voice of God in your life today, let me leave you with that. If you go to bed tonight, you've prayed about it, and you've sought godly counsel, and you've gone to God's word, and you've decided, but you know, this makes me more. If you don't have peace about it, do not keep pushing on a door that God is trying to close in your life. You look, look in my eyes. This is for somebody right now. You listen to me. If they're trying to leave, let them go. That could be God's removing that from your life. There's some times where you just need to accept this door's closing. I got peace about it. This door's closing. This is the, this business. This, I'm not supposed to do this on this job. This, I'm not telling you to. I'm just telling you if you've got peace about it, you just need to know sometimes God, because you don't have to be anxious. Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, here's the here's the test. If you've prayed and asked God, and you've come to church thanking God for the answer. Then the peace of God, which transcends honestly all understanding. And here's my hope for you as you hear the voice of God. That it guards your hearts 
that there's this peace that sort of surrounds your heart and mind and you go, man, it doesn't matter how hard this is. Hear the voice of God. Doesn't matter how out of character this seems for me to serve. I, I said I'd never serve at another church and now look what God's talking to me about. I said I'd never love again. I'd never trust again. And now I'm letting my guard down. Why? Because there's the peace of God is guarding your heart for you. So here's the big idea. If, if all of those filters, those four filters, if you, if you filter through and you hear the voice of God and you, it lines up with the God's Word, it makes me more like Christ when I take this decision. It, it, it doesn't take me away from that. It, it takes me towards that. I've got peace about it. Godly counsel in my life. You know, agree this is what I should do. Then here's my, here's my hope for you today. Write this down and close your notes. Then just take steps. Not leaps. Doesn't have to go all the way. Take steps towards what God told you to do. Just start walking in the right direction. Pastor, I don't, I don't see all the way. It doesn't matter. You don't have to see all the way. Just start taking steps to the voice of God. Like a sheep, when they, I hear the shepherd's voice, and I know his voice, I don't know exactly where we're going, but I'm going over there with him. 